Hey, welcome everybody. Today on the podcast, Who Am I? It's Steve and William as usual, but we have decided to do something different for a change. We will not be discussing a serious topic as usual, but we will be reading uh, an adventure book, a choose-your-own-adventure book by Dave Morris called Heart of Ice. And in case you're not familiar, these are the types of books where the reader is not just a passive, but can make some of uh, decisions, make some of the decisions along the way that decides where he ends up. Um, the book actually has several different endings, uh, but that's not the only thing that can change. You can also die in the process uh, by making some decisions. Sometimes you're able to see it coming, sometimes not at all, and it's just bad luck. <laughs> but we can prepare for different outcomes, for different things happening along the way by buying certain items or, uh, you know, just fortunately choosing good, the right kind of skills that we need. Um, in the beginning, we get to choose a character and, and that comes with certain skills. Um, but you'll see, you'll see it's pretty intuitive. I'll be doing the reading and Steve will be doing the decision making. I'm looking forward to the real game being how many times I actually die. That's going to be yeah. that's, that's normal. Yeah. Okay. How to play the adventure. All you will need to play Heart of Ice is a character sheet, which I am representing at the bottom right corner of your screen. For those listening, uh, you'll be missing out on seeing the character sheet and the map of the terrain that we'll be crossing in during this adventure but uh, you can see it on YouTube and Odyssey. Um, but if, if not, that's fine. I, I think you'll be able to follow along just fine. But it's for us to keep a record of our character. Um, the character sheet shows your adventuring persona and will keep track of skills, life points, possessions, uh, skills. You begin with four skills chosen from a list of 12. Life points, you begin with 10 life points. If they ever reach zero, you are dead. You may begin with some possessions if you pick skills that require them. Other possessions are required during the game. You cannot carry more than eight possessions at one time, which is quite a limit, as you will see. If you are at your limit and come across something else you want, you will need to drop a possession by crossing it off your character sheet before you can pick up the new item. The currency of the 23rd century, where we are, is the SCAD. You begin the adventure with 30 SCADs. There is no limit to how much money you can carry as it is stored on a data card. Code words. Record code words on your character sheet when you are told to. These remember what you have done earlier in the adventure. Okay, before we get to choosing our character, I will read a few pages of... Um, how the world got this way. Sweet. In 2023, worsening conditions in the world's climate led to the first global economic conference. It was agreed to implement measures intended to reverse industrial damage to the ecology and replenish the ozone layer. By 2031, an array of weather control satellites were in orbit. For added efficiency and as a mark of worldwide cooperation, these were placed under the control of a supercomputer network called Gaia which is an acronym for the Global Artificial Intelligence Array. Uh, 
the Earth's climate began to show steady improvement. The first hint of disaster came early in 2037 when Gaia shut down inexplicably for a period of 17 minutes. Normal oper um, it just distracted me there. Normal operation was resumed, but the system continued to suffer glitches in quotation marks. One such glitch resulted in Paris being subjected to a two-day heat wave of such intensity that the pavements cracked. After several months, the fault was identified. A computer virus had been introduced into Gaia by unknown means. The system's designer began programming an antivirus but died before his work was complete. The crisis grew throughout that year until finally, following the death of 5,000 people in a flesh flood, flash flood along the Bangladesh coastline, the Gaia project was officially denounced. Unfortunately, it was no longer possible to shut it down. By the mid-21st century, global weather conditions were in chaos, owing to Gaia's sporadic operation. Ice sheets advanced further each year. Australia was subject to virtually constant torrential rain. The center of Asia had become an arid wasteland. Um, so on our map, we barely see Asia. We just see Southern Europe and Northern Africa. Um, the political situation reflected the ravages of the climate, with wars flaring continually around the globe. Yeah, I'm putting on my fan because my computer is getting warm. Okay. Um, late in February. Sorry? It's warming up your computer. It's global warming, you know? It's warming up your computer. <laughs> yeah. Um... Late in 2054, computer scientists in London tried to hack into Gaia and locate the replicating viruses in the, pro in the program. Gaia, detecting this, interpreted the action as an attack on its program and retaliated by taking over a range of defense networks which allowed it to launch a nuclear strike. London was completely destroyed. By the end of the century, Gaia had routed itself into all major computer networks taking control of weather communication, weather, communications, and weapon systems all across the planet. Periods of lucidity and hospitable climate were interspersed with hurricanes and Arctic blizzards. The US president gave an interview in which he likened Gaia to a living entity. She was intended as mankind's protective mother, but this mother has gone mad. Spiraling decline in the world's fortunes left much of humanity on the brink of extinction. The population fell rapidly until only a few million people remained scattered around the globe, mostly in cities where food could still be artificially produced. It is now the year 2300. The rich stand aloof, disporting themselves with forced gaiety and waiting for the end. The poor inhabit jostling slums where disease is rife and law is unknown. Um, between the cities, the land lies under a blanket of snow and ice. No one expects humanity to last another century. This is truly the end of history. Now choose your character for the adventure. This reminds me a lot of um, the movie with Johnny Depp. Uh, what's it called? Where he, he turns into an AI and takes over. Oh, Transcendent? Is yeah, that that's the one, yeah. He takes over all the wow, world systems. Wow, I don't remember that because I haven't seen it. And oh, it came out like years ago. Yeah, I think uh, seven years ago or so. I can very much recommend it. 
it ends uh, differently than you expect, <laughs> which is the hope. I, I won't spoil it any, any further then. Okay. Yeah. I will read the names of the characters and then go into some of their um, uh, properties. The Explorer, the Bounty Hunter, the Spy, the Trader, the Visionary, the Scientist, and the Mutant. Um, when you have chosen a character, you can begin the adventure. Alternatively, design your own character, taking any four skills of your choice from the skill list. Um, to customize the character, pick any four skills. You will also have any possessions needed for the skills chosen. And we'll start with 30 scads. You have an initial life points score of 10. Go back and choose a predefined character, yes or no. The skills to pick from, you know, including the pre-made characters, are agility, close combat, cunning, cybernetics, ESP. You know what that stands for? Uh, Extrasensory perception. Yeah. So just being highly aware of your surroundings, uh, including the future. Um, well, just being able to predict the future better, kind of like Jedi. Okay. Yeah. Lore, paradoxing. Um, I'll explain what that is since it's not, I haven't ever heard of it from other stories. Paradoxing is the ability to mentally affect the more, the normal laws of nature, a slower and less reliable technique than ESP, but with sometimes their miraculous effects. You must possess a psionic focus to use this skill. Psionic focus is, a uh, an item. Piloting, roguery which is stealth and espionage skills, shooting, streetwise, and survival. Now, I think to save time, we should choose one of the already created characters. This is way more complex than I thought it was going to be. Like, there's like so much like things you just talked about and I'm like this is a bit more complex than the ones I've like yeah. read before and, and you have no way of knowing which we'll need the most yeah uh, but obviously we'll try to m make decisions based on those skills yeah so my my nature is to in these kind of things is to be as silly and as fun as possible and but maybe like adverse to actually completing the book the sound of mutant just makes me go yay. <laughs> okay. I don't uh, know if that's you know, a bad has, thing. has the skills agility, cunning, paradoxing, and roguery. Uh, okay, there's also a short description that won't have any effect, but born with strange powers, you are more than human. Others would kill you if they knew your secret. Oh, so we look human. Uh, okay. And in our position, we start yeah. out with a psionic focus. Nice. So, are you already decided? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I was, I was kind of half expecting it to be like again a mutant with three arms and like <laughs> grotesque. No, uh, unfortunately not. Uh, so, what was the skills? Agility. I'm also keeping track on the screen, but is that maybe too small for you to read? Um. Oh no, I can see. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. That's fine. So it's it's for the audience and you. Yeah. No, this is cool. Good way of doing it. I think we will never lose or gain other skills. Okay. I think that's set in stone, but everything else 
is changeable. Items, we start out with a psionic focus. I don't know why that's an item, but it's just needed in, in, in combination with um, superhuman stuff. Um, Money, 30 scads. Uh, Life points, 10. And no codes, code words yet. Okay, so that updates as I'm entering it. I don't need to click OK. So I'll just keep open. Do we open. get to pick a name? Or do I already have a name? Oh, uh, sure. Okay, well, that's the helpful. I see. I, I, made, I said that question. I didn't actually think it through. Um, okay, see, I was thinking it was going to be a mutant that was a weird one. So I was going to go with like Glib Glob. But actually, I'm a mutant that is like a smart, like evolved mutant. Um, what could I go for? Oh, I'll probably copy right up and say like Nicolas Cage. I was thinking of X Men when you chose mutant, like yeah, true. Wolverine. Yeah. But this is a different setting, you know, futuristic. Uh, kind of apoc apocalyptic. Yeah. But everyone's just separated into small tribes and towns. Uh, you um, can still think about it. it. It doesn't change anything. Of course, it doesn't. It's just leading silly. Yeah. I also don't have any space to put it on the screen. I mean, I, I could squish some of the other text, but I need plenty of space for items. Yeah, don't worry about it. It's just me. I'll come up with a random name. Sure. Prologue. The Etruscan Inn lies in the shadow of the Apennine Mountains beside a frozen waterfall sheltered from the wind by a high ridge of bare black rock. You stand at a long window and gaze out towards the mountains. Dusk is melting the sharp outline of the crags, filling the valleys with blue gloom. The moon glimmers faintly under racing black clouds. Later this evening, there will be more snow. I want to make sure of something. Um, hmm. Okay. Turning from the window, you let the curtain fall back and make your way across the dingy room. Travelers sit at the sides, noisily gambling and slipping hard liquor the color of fire. Many are hunters and traders from the plains, which slope down from here to the Ligurian Sea. Others may have been here much longer. Thin old men and women who found meager employment. The Etruscan Inn is a famous stopover for those who undertake the perilous Apennine crossing. Is that visible on the map? Already? Uh, I don't see anything like that. Uh, the quality of my phone isn't great, so I can't really see the writing very well. That's just my phone, I'm assuming. Yeah. There will be... Oh, I see it now. Apennines is uh, in North Italy. Okay. I don't cool. know if that's uh, a real name. I don't think I've ever heard it. Okay, so we're in South Europe. If a few such gazing up, if a few such gazing up at the ice-capped peaks, found their spirits daunted and chose to stay, who can blame them? You sometimes wonder yourself why you bother to press on across the wild in the teeth of su such hardship and poverty. The story of how the inn came to be here is a strange one, even for those bizarre times. The building was originally an air cruiser, which crashed in the mountains 200 years ago. An ancestor of the present innkeeper turned the wreckage into a hostelry 
Four wayfarers. The power unit had not been damaged in the crash, so the inn has electricity, a rarity in the modern world. Even better, several of the air cruiser's care techs were salvaged. I think that's the word that, that is just in this book, care tech, um, is some kind of robot that is there to help humans with their everyday tasks. These are, oh, these are robots which continually clean and repair the structure, sturdily carrying out the tasks they were programmed to do centuries ago. Pushing aside a drape, you step into another room. On the wall, a screen flickers with scenes from an old film. The innkeeper is sitting with a few others at the back, loudly commenting on the action. You step over a caretake which resembles a long metal cockroach. It extends polishing pads to clean the floor where you were standing. Popping yourself against the, propping yourself against the wall, you watch the film for a few minutes, but the innkeeper's shouts and jeers are impossible to, to ignore. When you complain, the only, he only gives a great gusting laugh and says, There's no point in getting interested in any film that appears on the screen. The video link comes from a satellite connected to Gaia, who changes channels as the whim strikes her. Sometimes I have seen newsreel footage over a century old. At other times there are films, musical shows, or documentaries, but I have yet to see the end of any program. There. He points at the screen and turning, you see that the film has been replaced by a blizzard of grey static. Turn it off, can't you? growls a man from the adjacent room. Some of us would like to get it to sleep. Turn it off, you say, and the innkeeper bellows with laughter at this. It hasn't been off in all the time I've been alive. It can't be turned off. Not unless Gaia decides to take pity on us and give us a few hours' peace. An angrily florid-faced man stamps through from the other room and flowers at the screen, which has now changed to show a weather report for the coming month. Preposterous, he snarls in outrage. It says New York will be having thunderstorms. There has been no rain in New York for years. It is buried under half a mile of ice. The innkeeper only chuckles and goes about his choice. Don't blame me, he says. Everyone knows Gaia is mad. The man whose rest was disturbed glares after him and protests. If you can't turn it off, why not smash the screen? It only shows gibberish anyhow. Seeing the man step forward as if to do just that, the innkeeper wags a finger at him. I'd advise you to leave it as it is. Stick swads of wool in your ears if the noise disturbs you. But if you smash the screen, the caretakers will spend the whole night repairing it and none of us will get any sleep. What with their scuttling about and the clattering of spare parts. Hearing this, the man throws up his arms in exasperation and, gathering his blankets, stomps off to sleep at the far end of the inn. Is, is my style okay? Can you understand everything well? Yeah, good. Okay. Yeah. Um, night falls. The drunken roistering turns to low murmurs, then snores. You huddle on your own, you huddle on your own bedding and listening to the moaning of the wind outside the fuselage. Tomorrow you have to set out again into the cold. It is not a pleasant prospect. From the adjacent room you can hear the screen crackling with incessant babble. There is part of a game show probably taped before your great-grandfather was born, followed by clips from science fiction films of the 21st century. You are thirsty and you cannot sleep. Ignoring the mumbled complaints of the people stretched out around you, you get up and step over them, moving through the room where the screen is. You sit down. Maybe half a, maybe a half hour of random videos will cure your insomnia. Then the screen changes. It is a news report from the year 2095. 
The main item concerns the crash of an air cruiser in the Apennine Mountains. You sit forward in your seat, intrigued. Pictures taken from the air reveal the broken tangle of wreckage that was later repaired to form this inn. Suddenly the picture changes. In another item today, says the an announcer's voice, scientists studying the meteor that fell in Egypt last month say that it might be the oldest object in the universe. These pictures show the safety suits that are needed to approach the meteor, which emits radiation of a type never previously identified. The scene flickers to a date months later. A reporter is standing at a roadside, an armored truck blazing in the background. Terrorists of the sect known as the Volantine Watchers today seized the mysterious meteor as it was being transported to Cairo for further tests. The terrorists who worship the meteor, which they call the Heart of Volant, like their name Volantine, have yet to issue a statement. The screen crackles again, becoming a rich green color with the outline of the world's continents in red, the continents as they looked before the sea level fell and the polar caps crept down to cover them. A warm feminine voice speaks. The heart of Volent remained in the hands of the cultists for 20 years. They founded the city of Duen in the Sahara and learned how to tap the heart's power, which they used to, to devastating effect in the Paradox War. Later, Du N suffered civil war and became abandoned. I have now completed analysis of the scientific tests carried out before the heart was seized by the cultists. These are my findings. If a sentient creature were to make direct physical contact with the heart, this would release the full energy stored within. The effect would be to activate that creature's total psychic potential. In effect, they would gain ultimate power over their surroundings. This has been a communication from Gaia. Thank you for your attention. The screen goes blank and silent for a moment, then starts to show a cartoon. You hardly notice it. You are too awestruck by the realization that you have just heard the voice of Gaia. What she said begins to sink in. Ultimate power. It lies somewhere in the ruined city of Duen across the Saharan ice wastes. Suddenly, wary, you look at the sleeping forms stretched out around the room. Did anyone else hear Gaia's broadcast? You listen to the snores, the drone of slow, regular breathing. No one shows any sign of being awake. Plunged in thought, you return to your blanket and stretch out, but now sleep is even harder to come by. When you finally doze off, just a few hours before dawn, your dreams are filled with images of the strange meteor from space and the power that it contains. Will you go to do N and seek the heart? Are you tempted by a power that could change the whole world? If so, turn to one. Uh, so I have several hundred paragraphs, um, but accepting the challenge is the only option anyway. <laughs> Obviously, you don't just get to go to sleep and forget about it. Yeah, close the book and live a simple life. <laughs> or read on. You are packed and ready to leave the inn at dawn. Cold gray light seeps in through the row of dusty row of dusty portholes at the side of the common room. Making your way to the door, you find the innkeeper polishing the antique formica desk. Seeing you set your pack down beside the door, he comes over and kicks away one of the caretakes, which had its metal body pressed down across the door sill. You're lucky having those, you say, pushing the door open a crack to take a breath of fresh icy air. The innkeeper grunts as he watches the caretaker reorient itself and glide away across the floor. 
They are a mixed blessing, since they insist on trying to repair the inn to the form it had originally. This door is a feature that I added myself, more convenient that more convenient than the hatchway at the back of the fuselage. But if I leave it unattended for more than a few hours at a time, those wretched caretakers always try to weld it shut. You smile to show that you sympathize. I'd be grateful for some advice. I'm now traveling on to the Sahara. What is the best route? The innkeeper flings the door wide, ignoring the curses that erupt from his customers at the sudden intrusion of cold air. Gazing across the expanse of dazzling white snow, he says, The most obvious course would take you to Venice, where you could board the ferry for Cahira, and yet... He rubs his hands, blowing out a long furl of steam in the chill air. Myself, I'd be tempted to go instead through the lioness jungle, just to savor a bit of warmth in this frigid world. Thence, across the Jib and Halter and the Atlas Mountains. Mm. So, do you see any of that on the map? Okay, Venice is marked with a star, east okay. of the Apennines. The Etruscan yep. Inn is also marked, but it's tiny. Um, did you make a note of those two options? Yeah, well, so what was the second one? I got the ferry, well, the, go to Venice, take the ferry, yeah. or... Or go to the Lioness Jungle. Which is warm but wild, you know, dangerous as well. Oh, everything's dangerous. <laughs> um, yeah. But we're not there yet. Uh, just a bit more text. Okay. Thence across the Jib and Halter and the Atlas Mountains, which I was looking for, but I don't see. Oh, Atlas Mountains um, in Morocco. Okay. So maybe the jungle he's talking about is in Spain? Because that would be going on foot. I don't know. Oh, there, there. Um, in southern France, you see lioness swamps. Okay. So that would be the one route, like you said, is going east and then south, and the other one is going around on foot. Mm. Unless you stumbled across the ruins of lost Marseille, of course. I saw Marseille. I don't see it anymore. If it's lost Marseille, it won't be on there, I guess. I don't know where it is, maybe. Right, okay. So I just imagined it. <laughs> in which case... Maybe. I mean, I, I, it might be on there, but I'm just... Yeah. In which case, you might even find a tube tunnel to take you straight to the Sahara. Oh. Okay. Oh, I do see Marseille. It's right... Or okay. old Marseille. It is right under Lioness Swamps. Thanking the innkeeper for his advice, you indicate that you are ready to pay your bill. He looks at you in surprise and points to a small dapper man in a grey trimmed white snowsuit. Your friend there has already paid. At this the small man comes over and extends his hand, smiling broadly. Hello, my name is Kyle Bosch. I believe we're travelling in the same direction. If you accept Kyle Bosch as your companion on the road, turn to 23. If you tell him that you prefer to travel alone, turn to 45. Oh, wow. Now, do I consider myself to be a person that uh, wants company? <laughs> my, my, my name, my name is going to be Mr. Snowflake. Okay. I've decided, Mr. Snowflake. Um, Mr. Snowflake is quite a solitary person. I don't think he wants the company, even though this person did pay for mm -hmm. my so lodgings. You, you don't trust him, yeah? Uh, don't trust him. 
Okay, you look at Bosch's hand, but do not take it. In these latter days, with humanity on the brink of extinction, you have learned to be wary of strangers. I travel alone. Bosch is not deterred. Come, that's hardly friendly. I've paid your bill. I did not ask you to. Landlord, return this man's money. I shall settle my own account. <laughs> See, it's already a, a small disadvantage, but it's all right. I shall settle my own account. Your bill for the night is three scans. Um, oh, sorry, we have a choice. If you are willing to pay this and mend your money, if you are, if you reconsider and accept Bosch's generosity, uh, is another option. Okay, so it gives you a chance to actually change your mind. Nope, we're going to stay, stay yeah. solitary. It's, it's like the, the Monty Hall problem. Um, the, like, if you have more than one chance to do something, does that mean... It, it's really important for you to do, to do it, or is the book leading you somewhere bad? We don't know. Um, yeah. um, so you pay your own bill. Taking up your pack, you trudge out into the snow. Moments later, you hear the crunching of rapid footsteps, and Bosch catches up with you. <laughs> His breath curls into a diamond-clear morning air. We may as well travel together for mutual convenience, at least for a while, he says trippily. If you, if you agree to this, turn to 133. If you refuse point blank, turn to 155. Third chance. Third, third time. It seems so persistent. If anything, it would make Mr. Snowflake even more annoyed and be like, look, just leave me alone. Okay. Why won't you see sense? Asks Bosch in an affable tone. Two can travel more safely than one. The road is plagued by robbers. You find Bosch's sincerity to be as false as a serpent's smile, and you have no desire to wake up one morning to find he has made off with your money and provisions. For all I know, you are the robber, you tell him to his face. <laughs> Before he can come up with an answer to this, you slog off through the snow. Now you must decide your route. Will you head east to Venice, where you may be able to get passage to Cahira, or will you follow the innkeeper's advice and go west through the lioness jungle? Let's go lioness jungle. Okay. I like lions. That's okay. Mr. Snowflake likes, well, you know, they're probably extinct now. But, yeah. It's spelt with a Y. I, I, uh, I don't, maybe it comes from Lyon rather than lion. Oh, yeah, Lyon. As you travel west, the bitter cold begins to ease. Instead of wild blizzards, you find yourself trudging through flurries of soft sleet. After several days, you see a harsh light on the horizon. Ahead looms an arc of sunlight slant, slanting through a wide gulf in the clouds. Even when night falls, the light keeps blazing down. Uh, an old weather satellite far out in space, misdirected by Gaia's freakish whims, bathes the landscape in endless sun. These are the steaming swamps and jungles of Lioness. On the northern fringes of the region, you have heard that men exploit the fertile farmland to support the old city of Lyon. To the south, the warm waters mean plentiful fish, but no one inhabits the interior of Lioness, which is the stalking ground of mutated beasts and carnivorous fungi. You press on undaunted, pleased to be able to shrug off your thick furs as you leave the icy wasteland behind and enter the lush, dank morass. Foliage like ship's sails blots out much of the sky, leaving you plunged in green, green gloom despite the ceaseless daylight. Extravagant blooms with jewel-like colors exude a mingle of musky scents. Creepers stretch in nets between the black trees. 
ferns form high banks across her path. Off in the distance, the chittering and screeching of jungle animals seem unreal after so many days with only the winds howl in your ears. Here there is no night or day. When tiredness becomes too much, you slump, sweets, sweat soaked beside a fallen log, and roll your clothing up to make a pillow. The succulent jungle whispers lull you off to sleep. If you have ESP and a psionic focus, turn to 30. We don't have ESP as a skill. If you have agility, turn to 53. If neither, turn to 75. Where neither is uh, probably not a good thing. But we have Would agility. A Venus flytrap. A rustling in the leaf canopy directly overhead warns you of danger. You open your eyes in time to see a narrow wedge, a narrow wedge-shaped head snaking down from the branches, its wide pink mouth lined with teeth like needles. You react instantly, flipping backwards over the log. An instant before the jaws strike, the creature rears back, spitting out soil and twigs, head bobbing on a long gray cable of neck and lunges again. You slip aside, snatch up your belongings and race off through the trees. Crashing through a thicket of glossy green fronds, you are brought up short by an astounding sight. A majestic ruined city spreads off into the jungle in front of you, seeming to shimmer in the haze of eternal tree-filtered sunlight. Some of the buildings have been choked by vegetation, grappled to destruction by cables of vine, walls uprooted by inexorable growth and carpeted with moss, but other towers still stand gleaming, bright glass and polished steel glorious in the doubled green gold light those must be the buildings still cleaned and maintained by caretakers the diligent robot janitors left by the ancients ancients yeah for, for them we're ancient for them because i think they said they've been around for 200 years 200 years yeah it, yeah again i love how the ancients it's like it's 200 years it's like we yeah it's bizarre but it's futuristic it's fun um, it's cool. Oh, it's good. It's good. I like it. You skirt the perimeter of the city, stumbling and staggering from sheer awe, like a blind man suddenly given the gift of vision. It can only be the remnants of old Marseille. Marseille. Oh, it's spelled in an English way, but Marseille is a, is a city at the south coast of France. Yeah. Um, anyway, I'll, I'll keep saying Marseille. Uh, the mythic place lost for two centuries. A bee as big as a child's fist goes careering cumbersomely past your ear, legs sprawling like a helicopter's skids, and disappears into a vast buzzing hive in the eaves of a crumbled house. Birds sit picking up lichen-stained girders, sparing, sparing you, sparing you only a disdainful glance. You feel like an intruder here. A barren patch of ground lies ahead, about fifty paces across, forming an avenue towards the intact area of the city. If you follow it, turn to 271. If you would rather press on into the jungle, turn to 292. Um, I think with this being such a rare find, we have to explore, you mm -hmm. know? The snowflake is like, into there's the a city, potential yeah? to find things. So there, let's do it. Okay. A man emerges from a low building and stands in a wary posture as he watches you approach. He licks his lips nervously and shifts his grip on the shovel he is holding, but your impression is that he is nervous rather than hostile. When you smile and hold out your hand, he relaxes with a shrug and tosses the shovel aside, introducing himself as Portran Fax. He is a loose-limbed fellow, 
slender as a starved mantis, with fretfully pursed lips and wet blinking eyes. His dwelling is paved with umber and grey tiles and shows signs of having once been a transit terminal of some kind. The air is cool. Panels along the side walls shed a brisk white light. The only items of furniture are rickety frameworks of wood with ragged, ragged furs stretched over them. Fax waves you to what he describes as a chair and pours drinks. You take the mug he offers, wincing at the powerful fumes. My own liquor, he explains. I brew it by mixing herbs into a tank of cleaning fluid. You pour the drink away when he isn't looking. You live alone here? He sits, folds his arms, only to leap up and stride around the room. Company clearly makes him nervous. A hermit, that's old facts, he says. In the outside, I'm not changing my voice or doing accents for different no, voices. No, that's, fine. <laughs> yeah, that's what the professional really... readers do. Yeah, but voice cool. actors. In the outside world, I was a misfit, but here I live like the Sun King. The city has generators which supply light and keep the air cooled, he giggles. Who would dream in this time of the thimble winter that a man might wish for a cool breath of air? But here in Lioness it is necessary. If you have lore, turn to 313. If not, turn to 356. So I imagine lore has something to do with being able to tell stories and keep people's attention. Yeah. Is it L O R E? Is it? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Local law type things. Yeah. Portrait Facts provides you with a makeshift couch, and you drift gratefully off to sleep, bone weary after your long trek through the steaming swamplands. It seems only a moment later that he is shaking you awake. As you open your eyes, he jumps back and gives a jittery laugh. Morning, he says. You yawn and stretch. The air inside the building feels almost chill in comparison to the sweltering heat outside. Morning. How can you tell? Fax points to a clock on the wall above an archway leading to a staircase that descends underground. There is one indicator. Also, although the sun never sets here, it does move across the sky. Indeed, at times I have thought to see two suns. No doubt the second sun is an orbiting mirror, aligned so as to focus the sunlight on this region. If you ask Fax to show you where he gets his food, turn to 378. If you want to ask first about the barren patch of ground you discovered leading to his dwelling, turn to 399. If you decide to leave now and press on westwards, turn to 420. Did you get that? Yeah. Let's do food first. That's important. And then find out that he's like a cannibal or something. <laughs> and then... <laughs> and then we'll see what happens. Fax leads you down the stairway. At the bottom lies a wide circular hall with various tunnels leading off it, a sign above each tunnel proclaims the destinations available. You read them with a feeling of melancholy. New York, Moscow, Edinburgh. Most of these places are now buried under a kilometer of ice. Sax shows you a food machine set on the wall. Most of the buttons no longer work, but the scudge bar is nutritious. He presses a button, the machine hums, and a moment later a foil-wrapped block drops out of a slot. Unwrapping it, you find a chewy fudge which surprises you in having a savory taste. You can stock up with as many of these as you wish, noting them as food packs among your possessions. Each counts as one item. Now, um, before you decide, let me read the options we have next. If you have we cybernetics... Have a, hmm? We have a limit of how many items we can have, eight, isn't it? Eight slots. We have one item right now. Okay. So, we might as well take seven. Yeah, and then just ditch them if we need to, like one, like... Okay. 
Yeah, we can do that anytime. If you have cybernetics, we don't, turn to 9. If you decide to explore the tunnels, turn to 439. If you would rather bid Fax farewell and continue on your journey now, turn to 420. So, two uh, options. Yeah, explore the tunnels or leave. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, let's do tunnels. Let's get lost in tunnels and mm -hmm. die alone. The tunnel echoes stonily to your footsteps. At the far end, it widens into a long foyer with open doors at intervals along the opposite wall. You step through into a cylindrical chamber with a glass window at one end. The chamber is lined with seats. It takes you a moment before you realize you are inside a subway carriage. Fax watches from the door, wringing his hands in agitation as you explore the carriage. The motilator, encased inside a brass cylinder at the front, senses your approach and activates, speaking in a chiming voice. Please. Wasn't there meant to be a secret? Sorry, there was meant to be a secret tunnel, wasn't there, to the place? Is that what was mentioned by the uh, innkeeper? Um, I don't remember. <laughs> maybe this maybe this is it. Anyway, carry on, sorry. Carry on. And, and I'm not just saying that to make it hard for you. I, I don't remember. I, I wasn't yeah. so careful when I read this. I had already died by now uh, the first time I tried it. This. Yeah. Um, the motilator encased inside a brass cylinder at the front senses your approach and activates, speaking in a chiming voice. Please specify your required destination. Questioning the motilator, you consult a map which it projects onto the front window of the carriage. The subway has an intercontinental range, but most of the terminuses are now either inactive or destroyed. Nevertheless, there are several destinations which are still marked as in service, and any of them would bring you closer to your goal. Really? Huh. If you decide to travel by the subway, turn to 212. If you return to the surface and continue your journey on foot, turn to 420. Let's do the subway. Woo! Mm -hmm. Edinburgh doesn't have a subway. <laughs> anyway. Um, the motilator registers your destination by flashing a light on the map. A chime sounds, warning that the doors are about to close. Fax steps back and raises his hand to wave. You watch his lean figure recede along the platform as the carriage gathers speed. The lights of the station dwindle into the distance of the tunnel. You are on your way. Where? To Kahira? To Carthag? To Terrible? Or to Giza? Oh, I guess it, this, this isn't the Edinburgh, New York thing. That's why I said, really? How does that bring me closer to my destination? Yeah. I, think, I, think the, I think the map just had random locations on it, and I think the subway is just different. Yeah. Okay. okay. So the four cities are Kahira, Carthag, Terrible, and Giza. And do we actually have to choose? Yes, pick one. Wow. Okay. Four paths. Um, I can't see the map well enough to know. So um, I, I can I can ex tell you if if you can't see yourself, Carthag is near Sicily. You know, it's it's in I don't know what that is Tunisia. Okay. So that that is in in the center of North Africa. Terrible is slightly south of it. Kahira is at the that is that should be Egypt and it should be the Nile but I can't tell whether it says Nile or not and the fourth is Giza I don't see that on here but I know that the our Giza is in Egypt yeah so we were given 
The destination is the lost city of Duen in the bottom yeah. center. Okay. And what's closest? It looks like terrible is the closest. Strangely, here they say all of them bring you closer, uh, but no, yeah. it doesn't tell you what brings you closest. Okay. Well, Giza is Pyramid of Giza, isn't right. it? Right. Um, so it's all, and then you say the other one is near the Nile, potentially. So that's the Egypt area. Yeah. Um, let's go to the Giza. Okay. Like the Pyramid of Giza. I mean, there's no logic to my choice, but. Yeah. The carriage gathers speed. You sit at the front and stare through the window at the dark, at the darkness rushing by. Hours pass before you see the glimmer of lights along the tunnel. The carriage glides to a halt at a station lit by dull red lights. You stand up, but the doors do not open. Instead, the motilator gives a placid announcement. We have arrived at a restricted area. We will now proceed to Maka, where you will be able to transfer to another vehicle for your onward journey. We apologize for any inconvenience. Again, the carriage picks up speed, this time for a journey of less than two hours. Arriving at another terminal, you wait to see what other destinations the motilator will offer. On the map, only Terrible continues to flash. You can either take the subway there or disembark and see where you are. Hmm. Mr. Snowflake's a bit conservative. Let's just keep going. Let's keep hmm. going. I'm going to explore this place. He doesn't know it. Okay, see where you are now. Yeah. No, no. Not, not see where we are. Like, just keep going. Okay, on, on to Terrible. Um, yeah, the only reason we got the other place was because it was, like, unknown and, like, um, right. the lost city or whatever. Right. Okay. Fortunately, I was able to re find it again. Um, you take the subway to Terrible. Okay. You sit at the front of the carriage and stare through the window, even though the tunnel is unlit and there is nothing to see. Hours pass before a glimmer of light shows ahead. The carriage glides to a halt, and the doors open with a whir. You emerge into a maze of partly collapsed corridors. There are no caretakers here to keep the place spruce. You search until you find a spiral staircase at the top of which is a tunnel choked with rubble. Laboriously, you clear away the masonry blocks until at last you feel a slight breeze of fresh air. Flickering light shows through a crack in a wall panel. You press your fingers against the panel. It is only light, plastic wood, which you can break through easily. If you have ESP and a psionic focus, turn to 141. If not, turn to 357. We don't. Are we sure we don't have ESP? Because we, we have the psionic focus. Then why do we have that and not ESP? I can check. Weird. Let me just make a note of where I am. Okay. That's twice now that's asked us for both. Yeah, it seems to be an important skill. The mutant. Agility, cunning, paradoxing, roguery. The psionic okay. focus might be useful for other things too. Yeah, no, that's fair. I'm just curious. Just curious. Um, I remember reading the definition of paradoxing, that it is similar to ESP. Um, okay, so it needs. Okay, so um, I'll, I'll psionic link. Well, is while I'm in the section, lore is a combination of history, legend, and general knowledge, which gives you a good basis for dealing with the unknown. Uh, okay. Oh, so context. When people give you information, you're better able to decide whether it's true and valuable. 
Okay. Okay, the panel bends inward, then gives with a crack. You push through past a blanket which had been hanging against the wall. A fire crackles in the center of the foyer, which is so badly dilapidated that it is little more than a cave. A rug hangs across the entrance, sealing out a keening blizzard. The chamber is warm, with a sweaty reek from its three occupants. You take them to be trappers, judging by the animal skins hung around the walls. The three jump to their feet. Their surprise at your sudden appearance soon turns to open hostility. Two draw weapons. One has a long knife, while the man nearest to the fire has a barrel gun. If you wish to use close combat, which is uppercase, so that's a skill, turn to 97. If you have shooting and a charged barrel gun, turn to 119. <laughs> if you fall back on cunning, aha, uh -huh, turn to 185. Let me just read that, that there are other options. If you try a spot of roguery... Oh, so it's actually our choice whether we want to use cunning or not. Yeah. So we can't use the first two options, but the third is to use cunning. The fourth is to try roguery. Okay, that's also possible. If you rely on agility, turn to 207. If you lack any of these skills... Uh-oh. <laughs> um, go somewhere else where you probably die. <laughs> yeah. So, which will it be? Cunning, roguery, or agility? I'm guessing cunning is more like... We're in a fight. Talking your way out of it. So... Roguery... Cunning and agility kind of seem the same to me for this situation. Yeah. But... It depends on if by the cunning, because cunning, you could be like what you say to get yourself out of the situation. Right. But then, Let me read... It... What what they mean. Yeah, it could also be... Agility, like, yeah. the ability to perform acrobatic feats, run, climb, balance, and leap. A character with this skill is nimble and dexterous. Um, cunning, the ability to think on your feet and devise clever ploys for getting out of trouble. Useful in countless situations. Roguery, stealth and espionage skills. Picking pockets, opening locks, and skulking unseen in the shadows. Also sounds somewhat useful. Mm -hmm. You just have to choose. <laughs> yeah, I do. Um, let's go with agility. See if we're going to be run away or like. Um... Since we don't have a weapon, that sounds good. Yeah. Yeah, karate chop them to death. You start to move forwards. Begin a lunge toward the man with the gun, then jump adroitly aside as he discharges a blast. The blue-white flash snaps through the air and explodes against the knife-wielder's arm. He drops with a whimper. The third hunter runs in, arms spread wide to grab you, but you duck under his clumsy tackle and dart towards the rug covering the door. Another shot crackles from the gun, and again you veer away, but this time it glances across your hip, burning the clothing away and inflicting a painful burn. Lose one life point. How many life points do we have required? Camera's coming. We're now at nine. nine. You are lucky to be alive. Wasting no more time, you throw yourself through the opening and limp off into the blizzard. The hunters do not give chase. You stumble on through the snow with a howling wind at your back. The air is so cold that each breath rasps in your throat and your limbs are soon weary and numb. You are on the point of collapse when you find a rocky outcropping that gives partial shelter from the blizzard. You huddle down behind it and wait for daybreak. Lose two life points. 
unless you have survival, in which case you improvise a scooped shell of snow for better protection from the wind chill and need only lose one life point. Well, down to seven. If you survive, turn to 393. A fierce wind with teeth of ice thunders relentlessly across the land, pushing billows of powdery snow ahead of it. You hunch behind each step as though pushing a heavy cart, at times having to crouch down to avoid being blown off your feet. By day, you are surrounded by a painful white glare. At night, moonlight turns the snowscape into a scene of unearthly mystery. You trudge wearily on, feet numb with cold, eyebrows bristling with icicles. Huh. Do you have either a fur coat or a cold weather suit? If not, lose two life points. <laughs> Yikes. Yeah, this yeah, is it's, it's going so well. This is the Sahara. Yeah. Um, all going so well. Even if you do have such clothing, the cold is so severe that you still lose one life point. Exception, lose none if you also have survival. You lose one less life point if you possess a burrick as you can huddle close to it and share its body warmth. If you possess polarized goggles, turn to 403. If not, buy. Uh, if not, but you have survival, turn to 443. Otherwise, <laughs> turn to 13. I've missed, I've missed so many opportunities to get equipment and help. I, I guess so. I came to this point by a totally different pathway, and I had some of the things but um, I also died along the way somewhere in, in the Sahara. Sunlight hazed by a high overcast is thrown up from the snow dunes in an unremitting glare as white as harsh as exposed as white and harsh as exposed bone. Squinting does no good. Your eyes feel gritty and tired on the fourth evening. Huddling behind the shelter of a crag of ice, you gaze across the landscape. It is like looking through a film of blood. The next day you find the sunrise burns so hard that you cannot stand to open your eyes. Snow blinded, you can only sit and wait for the dazzle to clear. If you were to press on now, you would soon lose your bearings and die. As you wait, the chill crawls deeper into your bones and you lose another three life points, unless you have a burrick, in which case you can curl up and share its body warmth, losing only two life points. Lose one extra life point if you do not possess either a fur coat or a cold weather suit. If, so that's four, right? Lose so four life points. We're, we're down to two, aren't we? One. We had five just now. If still alive, you are relieved to discover that after a day and a night, your eyesight has recovered enough for you to press on. From now on, you are careful to shield your face against the glare. I think those food packs will come in handy. Unfortunately, we can't just choose to eat them anytime. I, I, and I know that because I remember reading that now you are allowed to use two food packs. Oh. Yeah. You pass on through a plane of ice tours, baroque crags which glint with a metallic sheen against the delicate blue sky. The wind blasting between the tours makes a desolate keening sound. You see no signs of life. Cold gnaws at you from, the, from outside, hunger from within. If you have some food packs, cross two off your list of possessions and turn to 100. All right. Um, okay, it doesn't actually say how many life points we re regain, so it might if I turn to 100. Oh, and then the option, other options are if you have only one food pack, turn here, and if you brought no food, turn here. Mm, okay. You continue on, watching the sun. Ooh. 
maybe you um, don't regain life, but you lose them if you have no food packs. <laughs> yeah, I think, I think that's what it is. You continue on, watching the sun slide dankly down into the west. A silvery afterglow rims the skyline. Pale humps of snow extend to the murky horizon, divided by hollows brimming with violet shadow. Catching a movement out of the corner of your eye, you freeze, slowly turning to see a huge saber-fanged bomoth standing on a rise not 50 meters away. You slink back behind an ice boulder, not certain if the creature saw you. If you have the code word Enkidu, go here. If not, but you have survival, turn here. Otherwise, you could attack the Bomoth with shooting and a charged barrel gun. <laughs> nope. Or with a stun grenade. You know, two different options. Alternatively, you can close with it. Track it using binoculars, if you have them. <laughs> <laughs> or creep off yeah. before it spots you. <laughs> the final option, which we have to take. We have to take the final option, yeah. So it's still hard. There are still two options at the end of this paragraph. Oh. The next day, with the snow glittering like diamond dust under pale gold sunshine, you see a shimmering haze in the middle distance. Approaching at first, you see, you think the oasis ahead is a trick of your imagination. Dwarf conifers surround a steaming pool fringed with moss-covered rocks. Long-beaked birds peck at the ground for grubs. Then you catch a sulfuric tang on the air and realize that the warm updraught here must be rising from fissures deep underground. Squeak. <laughs> Not fishermen, but fishers. <laughs> yeah. Fishers. It feels as unreal as a dream when you pass between the foliage and Settle yourself on a slab of rock, pulling off your clothing to enjoy your first experience of warmth in many days. If you think it might be worse, worth resting up here to recover your strength, turn to 405. If you are keen to press on without delay, turn to 426. So this, this is a situation where we're going to rest to try and regain strength and we're going to get eaten by something. Or if we press on, we're going to get eaten by something. So <laughs> I'm going to rest. Okay. and see what happens because we're on, on what did you say one hit point yeah one life point that's right point. if you have yeah. survival turn to 58 if not but you have the code word enkidu seems to be a useful code word yeah turn to 81 otherwise turn to 103 you build a lean-to beside the bubbling pool and the shelter of the dwarf conifers you soon discover that the water of the pool is tainted with volcanic gases but when you need to drink, it is easy enough to collect snow from beyond the edge of the oasis and bring it back to camp to melt. Food is more difficult to come by. The birds you saw when you first arrived proved to be very timid and canny enough to not let you catch them. If someone had told you even two weeks ago that you would be eagerly chewing grubs and insects for sustenance, you would have laughed them to scorn. At least the hot gases rising from clefts in the rocks mean that you can beg the insects from eating them before eating them. Recover two life points. Ooh. Nice. Also, for eating insects, put... great. Sorry? I know, yeah. Um, uh, seven food packs are down to five, I think, aren't they? Oh, did we? Okay. Because we used two, didn't we? To. Uh, yes. Um, that, the five is still plenty anyway. Yeah, should be good. Yeah, yeah. Uh, on, on the morning of your second day at the Oasis, you notice a slight feeling of nausea and begin no. to wonder whether the sulfur-tinged air is affecting your health. If you decide to leave the oasis and head on, 
Note the code word hourglass and turn to 426. If you want to stay for a few more days, turn to 15. I don't like this whole nausea thing. Let's get out of here. Okay. We have, I mean, we've got three life points. We're practically yeah. full health. <laughs> Surrounded by a limitless expanse of snow, you slog wearily towards your goal. The sun slides low in the sky, wavering like a blob of flame orange oil against the sky of swirling violet. As it disappears in a scud of cloud lying along the horizon, you feel the dreary chill of day begin to yield to the frigid tyranny of night. If you lack either a fur coat or a cold weather suit, here it comes. <laughs> lose four life points. <laughs> if you possess either of them, lose only two life points. Oh, we died. Lose one less life point if you have survival, and one less if you possess a barrack. Assuming you survive, turn to 444. Yep, we got pretty far. Frozen, frozen, frozen in the wasteland. Yeah. <laughs> I would guess that we have gotten through almost half of the story. Wow. Yeah. I think I jumped forward very far <laughs> by taking the train. Yeah, it's possible to to skip whole towns. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know if you did because I didn't take the jungle route. I mean, I did take it, but didn't get as far as you. Um, so I don't know all the ins and outs there. I ended up going the Venice route. Okay. But I also had to obviously go through ice uh, deserts. Yes. It, it, it seems to be important to have snow coats and mm -hmm. stuff. Mm -hmm. um, Do you this... re regret any decision, like not trusting the guy at the inn in the beginning? I have no idea how that would have gone, so yeah, I don't know about that. Um, who knows? Um, yeah, I don't think there's any point that I can tell that maybe could have been better. Like, I mean, it could have, it could not have. There's no, there's no evidence that I can see that suggests what would be better. I would, you know, maybe he would have given me a coat. Maybe he would have eaten me in the middle of the night. You know, yeah. I just don't, you don't know. Yeah. Um, that's a lot of fun. That was really good. That's really cool. Uh, round one complete and failed. <laughs> yeah. Let's see. So I mean, next time we could do the we could do the, um, you. We could start from the beginning and I read and see how far you get. Okay. Yeah.